0: On the record with Gavin Riley, brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Now, uh, this time last week on the program, we were hearing from Simon McGar, a solicitor who was critical of the proposals behind the National Maternity Hospital and its proposed relocation to land owned by the Saint Vincent's Healthcare Group out at Elm Park. And Simon, as a result of of that and other. Um, that he put into the public domain, was invited to the Oroctus Health Committee on Thursday evening. Someone else who was before the Oroctus Health Committee last Thursday evening was Dr Jenny Walsh who's a consultant obstetrician and gynecologist at the National Maternity Hospital. And and in pursuit of of balance of trying to hear arguments for and against the proposals, we've uh, asked Jenny um, into studio to talk to us today. Um, Jenny, thank you very much for coming in. I know you've you've agreed to come at short notice deputising for somebody else so uh, very much do appreciate your flexibility. Um, At this point, with the the government um, appearing that it's going to plough ahead with the plan in spite of some political concerns and opposition about it Um, are you concerned that there's still the prospect of some banana skins or or would you be urging the government to be hard nosed and to ignore some of the concerns however legitimate they may be
1: Um, I might ask you to come closer to the microphone as well Sorry, thank you very much Um, no I I think all of us at NMH you know quite apart from the very clear clinical need for us to move and, and the fantastic facilities that we are going to be moving to at NMH which clearly motivates us and gets us all out here trying to advocate for this cause but it was more importantly, what I would hope is that over the last two weeks, those legitimate concerns that were voiced and were clearly voiced by by um, members of the this, members of the public, that we have managed to to uh, in many ways answer those concerns. We don't share those concerns. We have repeatedly said that we don't share those concerns because we believe that the service that we offer at the moment at the National Maternity Hospital, which is second to none, it mm. is safe, but it is not um, 21st century care and that, that our ability to do that will be continued in the new hospital so do you, no
0: d- you do think that those concerns that have been expressed by members of the octus and others are at least legitimate that it Absolutely. isn't a case of misinformation have- that it's people reading documents and reaching conclusions that you just don't share
1: I think the concerns of the potential involvement of any religious or state influence in healthcare in this country given our history is very valid and it wouldn't be fair for me to come on either as a woman or a mother to pretend that isn't. What I will say is that there is misinformation regarding how protective those legal documents are and there is no vehicle whereby the Religious Sisters of Charity or any other organisation can exert influence on the National Maternity Hospital or its clinicians with the move and that is watertight.
0: There would be those who'd say that because the board of the new maternity hospital would have three representatives from the St. Vincent's Healthcare Group and because its constitution mentions the role of Mother Mary Aikenhead and echoes her five values, including advocacy and human dignity and being a voice for the voiceless, that they would consider that to be religious in tone and that those three representatives then would be representing a religious ethos on the board of a new secular institution?
1: I think there's a couple of points to make on that. The first is that the constitution of St. Vincent, Vincent's Holdings, it does have an opening line. It, it doesn't reference Mary Aikenhead at all. It does reference how the company will be true to core values of human dignity, compassion, justice, quality and advocacy. It mm. doesn't mention Mary Aikenhead. Uh, the constitution the, at age M- H- yes. is what we, th- there are rules. That's what we are going to to to, to be governed by. There are three directors from St. Vincent's Hospital on that new board. There are also three public representatives and there are three representatives in the National Maternity Hospital. That represents what we're moving to. We are moving to a collaboration. The, the due diligence, the, the role of that board is to act in the best interests of the hospital. And if at any point we are not acting in the best interests of the public and providing the care that we currently provide to women then the minister is a golden share to intervene. That uh, is black and white.
0: I, I had to apologise to listeners this time last week for, for reading from legal documents on air because I know it's not the most enthralling thing, but unfortunately it, it's that substance which is the, the source of, of so is, much dispute around all yeah. of this. So apologies again for having to do it. Um, What you just cited there, that the the first lines of St Vincent's Holdings, that's the new parent company, that's the charitable entity that was set up by the sisters and the, to which they've divested all of their yes. interests and their yeah. control. In between it and the new National Maternity Hospital, there is also the parent company, St. Vincent's Healthcare Group. Mm -hmm, And its constitution mentions Mary Aikenhead and it is that body which is going to be the landlord. It's
1: it's first, and I'm not, I know a lot of us work across the two sides. I I, I don't. I'm an NMH um, consultant and previously a Matter consultant. It makes reference to the fact that the hospital was originally founded by Mary Aikenhead. That's the sentence. And it says
0: that it will then continue its work in fulfilment of her mission. And people see that as having some kind as of religious as part of a
1: mission to provide service for the poor. That 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 is what what is called out. The, the more important question here, Gavin, is, is is does that matter? Does that worry me day to day in my ability to provide care? Mm. It doesn't on a very personal level because that isn't going to influence myself or any of my my colleagues in the National Maternity Hospital. On a legal level, it also doesn't concern me because that is not our constitution. There is a separate, very crystal clear constitution of the National Maternity Hospital DAC, our company, which specifically calls out specifically. calls That we will operate the new hospital without any religious ethos.
0: And to your mind, then, if there are three members of that board who are there uh, as designates or as appointees of the Saint Vincent's Healthcare Group, that any perceived agenda, even if there were one from that group, is sort of negated or is made irrelevant by the fact that when they get appointed to the the new hospitals board, that they have one job.
1: They have one job and they are subject to the rules of that constitution. To be fair, we currently have a board at Hollis Street. I, I think it's about 21 members. I've just been elected to it. And Perfect. the chair of our board is, is the Archbishop of Dublin, who hasn't set foot in the building for over 20 years. We are now moving from that model where we have been the forefront of providing for care for women, particularly since repeal and particularly in terms of advocating for women's rights. Despite that current board setup, up, we are now moving to a totally secular board with no religious interference at all. So if anything this is an improvement in terms of separation, a massive improvement.
0: Do you understand that the, and you mentioned that the cynicism and the the well-grounded cynicism and and doubts that some people might have given the history of, of religious involvement in healthcare delivery and particularly in maternity services, that the nuns divesting themselves of what is ultimately a fairly lucrative uh, enterprise at the St. Vincent's private campus and divesting all of that and completely handing over irrevocable and non-influential control to a brand new charity that they've set up which is secular in nature sounds completely too good to be true. That some people just are, are, are coloured in their view that nuns handing over a very lucrative business to a new secular charity over which they would have no control whatsoever just sounds to them almost fanciful.
1: But but this is the fact. They will have no control. There is no vehicle whereby the religious is a charity. There is no arc in this diagram where they can come back in and and, and exert control. You know the, the 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 religious sister charity and and most Catholic organisations, my understanding worldwide, are stepping out of healthcare. And they've been very clear in Ireland that they are exiting healthcare in Ireland. And this is, I would think, uh, a testament to that.
0: And are you satisfied that there are no? And I I say this not knowing even what mechanism you would use to exert this if it were the case, but that there are no canon law stipulations about the use of the land that when it was transferred over from the religious sisters that there wasn't some sort of ethical instruction about the ways in which it was or wasn't to be used.
1: I I have no concern because ultimately use of the land is what's set out in our constitution which is to provide all maternity, obstetric gynaecological and neonatal services it's written down in black and white in our constitution followed by that that will be done without any religious ethos and these are these are legally binding. Also as clinicians I think to be fair this has been forgotten our view in all of this has been put aside that we are ethically bound by the medical council by our oaths that we will provide care for women and we have been to the forefront of, of doing that at the National Maternity Hospital and we plan to continue to do that but in a far far superior facility. Well, I- I did
0: want to come to sort of the clinical aspect of it as well, because a lot of the other concerns have crystallized around the phrase clinically appropriate. And as you've sort of alluded to there yourself, no clinician is ever going to do something which they consider to be inappropriate. And in that light, then a lot of people would think, then why do you need to stipulate those words at all? Because if no clinician is ever going to do something inappropriate, or at least never knowingly so, then why would you need to insert it? And that they would think by inserting those words that the door is being left ajar for something else.
1: I, I genuinely believe, and I wasn't around the table when these documents were being drawn up. I, I I do believe when when the people who were involved in throwing these documents up say that they were sitting around that they they were trying to preserve the integrity of the maternity services to preserve it for maternity services. That's really important. Um, that that this phrase was what was meant to do just that was to ensure that what would be performed and the procedures performed at the National Maternity Hospital would relate to maternity obstetric and newborn care. Um, I don't think anybody genuinely anticipated um the interpretation that has been put on that Equally, that means that we are not particularly, I don't think the National Maternity Hospital, Professor Shane Higgins was very clear yesterday, we are not attached to that phrase. That, that, you know, from our respect, what we want is that we are protected to continue to provide the care that we currently do. And if a rephrase or a legal code is so, whatever has to go in in order to correct that, that is not down to the National Maternity Hospital. But of course, we're open to that because we don't see any covert meaning in clinical appropriate. But if there are genuine public concerns out there about it, then there needs to, you know, the people out there who are tasked with that, need 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 to to improve that phraseology.
0: Um, what do you uh, see as the current limitations in what the present Holloway Street premises is able to do? Um, you're obviously you're much more familiar with it than I did, but I've been there a couple of times in the last couple of years, and obviously the clinicians do do their very best, but it is a facility which was not built to operate at the scale that it currently does. No what is the how urgent is the need to get out of it because it seems that although it's not ideal that you do manage to provide a, a fabulous standard of care of course in the city we do. you've got
1: and, and I think it's really important to say that you know I, I really think NMH Hollis Street is a fantastic hospital my three babies there encourage all my sisters all my friends to, to attend there because of the safe high quality of care that we provide we are constrained by the size of the building by this old building that we cannot do anything with so we cannot make it bigger there's no room for expansion and there is a huge amount of unmet need that goes along with that. So our gynaecology service, we have got funding for a new menopause clinic our placenta accreta service. So so all of these services that are improvements for women's health care. And we have funding, we have the will, we have the ability to provide them. We actually just don't have the space. And what that results in is that that service isn't provided or that waiting lists grow. And then the second and perhaps the most important part is is the lack of privacy and dignity that is afforded to our to to our patients when they're in the hospital. The notion of uh, people keep talking about Nightingale wards, it literally is that. I have an old photograph of the hospital from the early nineteen hundreds and of our current antenatal ward where you go if you are having your labor induced, you're in the early stages of labour or you present with a problem during your pregnancy and the photos look almost exactly the same it's 14 beds they're all separated by curtains um, and these women are sharing two, co- two toilet cubicles mm. and in no building invariably one of those is broken or something has gone down so that's not okay that is a standard that's not not safe it is safe care it's very high standard of care but we deserve better than that and this new facility I don't know if you've looked at the plans Gavin is absolutely state of the art it's fabulous and we deserve it
0: um, I, Again I, I know that you're you primarily a, a clinician so that I, I kind of don't want to get too too deep into the legal Weeds, But uh, one of the, the remaining concerns or one of the reasons why some people have some doubts about the, the future of all of this is because the, the hospital uh, governance as it currently exists would basically be superseded. So you'd have this new arrangement with the three directors from, from Hollow Street, three from, from the Vincent's campus and three from the government. And that kind of means that the, the safeguards that you have right now, where you know for certain that your current uh, governance model allows you to do certain things, that it, people would say bas- basically better the devil you know than the devil you don't, and they can't really understand why it would be necessary even for Vincent's to have an operational role, or why is it necessary for them to appoint directors to a new facility if they're not going to be the ones operating it.
1: I mean, ultimately we are we're, we're subject to the law of the land. We're also subject to the HSE, who are our funders. So they have very clear. Um, guidance and rules as to what we can and cannot do within you know our budgetary constraints so this isn't just simply about you know a group of nine people sitting around and saying you'll do x y or z this year and you won't you won't say it the next year yes vincent's are appointing three directors to our board and we are appointing two to theirs so this was just to 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 emphasize the collaborative nature of this project Um, and that's all it is these directors have a duty to provide for the best care of the national maternity hospital um, and and to fulfil what is written in our constitution, which is to provide the best care for women, um, free of any religious ethos. So I, I just I just don't see it as a problem.
0: Um, if the plan is not approved uh, this Tuesday, as as currently stands, and all the indications are that it it will it, it will be. But just for argument's sake, if it weren't, would you have some concern that it would become a how long is a piece of string argument, and that it could be kicked into the long grass again, and that it might just end up being kicked to some other body and, and never really get over the line.
1: I think that would be an awful pity. Um, I, I really hope it hasn't. I hope we've managed to get the message out there that, that, that the, the concerns that were raised um, are easily answered by a proper scrutiny of the legal documents. Um, and I would be disappointed if more time is needed for for people to get those reassurances then obviously we have to accept that that's not an issue for NMH it's an issue for government but I would truly hope that this will be passed on Tuesday.
0: We will see uh, what comes of it. Thank you very much again for coming into the studio again. I know you've come in at very short notice. Jenny Walsh is a consultant obstetrician and gynecologist and a member of the Board of Governors at the National Maternity Hospital.
1: On The Record with Gavin Riley Brought to you by PwC Sunday morning at 11 On News Talk.